right? Take about 30 more seconds. So nobody is sitting alone anymore, as it should be, right? As it should be. And some of you are like, oh, I just wanted to be able to sneak out. <laughs> now you can't, <laughs> right? I know, I got you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad you guys are here tonight. There, I know that there are a couple people who are here for the very first time, and so that's why... You know, I don't know, and I heard the comment, and isn't it so true that, like, you can come to a woman's meeting and all of a sudden you're back in grade school again? Am I going to have to sit by myself to eat lunch? You know, it's seriously, it feels like that. So, anyway, this is always a safe place and always a place where you may come in, you know, by yourself, but you're not going to stay by yourself. We just want everybody to feel at home and feel welcome and feel safe and feel loved here. So that's the whole point. So I'm very honored that the um, women's team invited me to come and share with you guys tonight. And uh, I want to thank Shelby and Lindsay. You guys are so amazing. Thank you for being here tonight. Can we just let them know how much we appreciate them? They're the ones who organize everything and bring cookies for you and all that good stuff. <laughs> so if you need a cookie run like while we're talking tonight, totally, you are blessed to get up and go grab a cookie. There's already one running. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I was thinking about what to talk about tonight, and honestly, the way I felt was I just wanted to have an opportunity, since it is just us girls, and we're a nice, intimate group, I don't get to do this very often, and typically it's a big group of us that are together, and so I felt like I could take this opportunity to share my heart with the girls that I consider, I call you girls, and I don't mean that in a demeaning way at all. I mean that as a term of endearment to my heart. I consider you, as the mother of this house, I consider you my daughters, my girls. And so I thought, you know, if I were to sit down, I would love to be able to, wouldn't it be nice if we could all just have coffee together? And so, like, what would we talk about and what would we share if we just sat down and were able to have coffee with one another and share hearts with each other? And so I was thinking about, you know, what would I, what would I want to share with my girls? What do I feel like God wants to share with my girls? And so... Um, I came to book study uh, on Tuesday night, which if you haven't come to that, I really encourage you to do so. Um, it's an amazing study that the ladies are doing. It's called Finding I Am, and it's so good. I uh, didn't have my book. I'm that student that showed up without my book and hadn't read anything. <laughs> and my table was super gracious to me. And uh, our table leader was so good. And I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation that was going on. And as uh, we were visiting, the words were coming out from, I think, everybody at the table. And it really resonated with me. The statement was made um, about should be. I'm not what I should be, or I'm not where I should be. I'm, and the should be fantasy is what came to my mind. And so, because it's just us, I can share with you a little confession that I used to seriously be obsessed with The Bachelor, watching The Bachelor. 
<laughs> okay, anybody else? And okay, see, we're it's okay. We're all family here. We can confess these things. And so I seriously, I I would have such hopes, like for the first, you know, 38 seasons, I'm like, okay, this is really going to work out. And then it doesn't. And I'm super disappointed. I'm super upset. Well, then as I continued watching the different ones, I'm like, all of these people, they're all smooching on each other and they're all bumping parts that should not be bumped by unmarried people. And that person is bumping parts with that person and then immediately bumping parts with that person. So basically they bumped parts and it's all like intermingling together. And then my mind goes into, and it can't even stop it. This is my life. Welcome to my life. I'm like, all of them are all kissing each. He's kissing all of these people. All of these people have soul ties. Now there's no way that there's anything that he has left at the end of this to give to one person. He doesn't even know who he is anymore. All of them are going to need a sozo. They all need prayer. And so this, like, I cannot even enjoy the show anymore. Because I'm like, I, where is your pastor? That's what I'm like. You all need major prayer and deliverance. You need somebody to anoint you with a whole gallon of oil. I don't even know what you need. But you need the Holy Spirit and you need Jesus. And then I need Jesus for watching the show. But, Okay, all of the Bachelor fans, you know, there's a certain point in the show where they get to, and it, they're on a one-on-one -on -one date, right? The people that are mature enough to not even watch this show, you don't even know what I'm talking about. They get to a certain point, and they're in, on a one-on-one -on -one date, and they have this card that is given to them. And the card says, should you forego your individual rooms, how many Bachelor fans in here, you know, what does it say? Use this key to enjoy the fantasy suite. I knew, see, I knew that by heart. Okay, here's the deal. The fantasy suite is not real life. It's not, it's not what real life is about. It's this thing that they've created and this thing that they have made. And what ends up happening is it ends up in crying and heartbreak and disappointment and brokenness. This is where we go back to the, all of these people need a sozo. All of them need prayer after, after this. So the fantasy suite isn't even real, but it's something that's put in front of them. And the very beginning, it says, should you forego? And what I was thinking about is the should be fantasies that we create in our life. And it's this conversation of that we all have. I'm going to guess 99.9% .9 of us have had these conversations in our head. I don't read my Bible. I'm not reading as my Bible as much as I should be. I'm not praying as often as I should be. I'm not spending as much time with God as I should be. I'm not as good a friend as I should be. I'm not in as good a shape as I should be. I'm not working out as much as I should be. I am not as good a mom as I should be. I'm not as good a wife as I should be. I'm not as advanced in my career or my education as I should be. Does anybody, anybody relate? Anybody have those should be fantasy conversations going on in our head? Well, the should be fantasy that we've created in our mind, what I was thinking is sitting around the table at book study was how do you even know when you hit that? Like, cause I mean, I'm thinking in my head about the should be's that I come up with for myself. And I was thinking, how do you even know when you hit that should be mark? Because the should be isn't real. 
So how do you even know when you achieve the should be? Is, you, you know, because it's, it's something that's put out there that we come up with, this should be, that we're aiming for and we're striving for, but there's not really a real measure of that because it's a measure that we have come up with in our own mind, not a measure that actually exists. Does that make sense? Does that make sense what I'm saying? So how do you know when you get there? And the should be is a fantasy that has been created through accusation. And it's nothing new. The enemy has been doing this since the very beginning. And just very briefly, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, and it's where um, Eve, uh, the woman, is in the garden, and the serpent comes to her, and he begins to communicate with her, and he tells her, you know, has God really said that you can't eat of this one tree? And the woman responds to him, and she says, yes, God has said that we cannot eat of this tree, we can't eat it, and we're not even supposed to touch it, which I feel like Adam put that extra little guard on her, because he's like, girl, don't you even... Don't even, don't even, don't even get close to it. So Adam told her, don't eat it and don't even touch it, which is not really what God said. That's a whole, that's a whole nother discussion for another time. But so the serpent comes back at her and he says to her in Genesis chapter three and verses four and five, basically what he says is he's like, you won't die if you eat that. So first he challenges the truth of what God has spoken, which is the beginning of the accusation that comes to us. So then he says that, you know, God, God hasn't really said this to you because when you eat this, then you're going to be like God and you'll know good from evil. Well, up to that point, the enemy is the only one that knows evil because Adam and Eve at that point have never experienced anything less than the beauty and the perfection and the glory of God. So when the serpent, when the enemy comes and says, God knows that if you eat this, you'll be like him. Well, the accusation, the false accusation, the fantasy accusation that was just made at her was that she would be like God, when in reality, she already was like God. God created her in his likeness and in his image when he took her from the rib of man and he breathed his being into her. She was like God. So the accusation that was brought to her was you're not as good as you should be. It's the same accusation that has been being leveraged towards us since the garden. It hasn't changed. There's nothing new under the sun, the scripture says. So anything that the enemy comes at us with, it's really just a twisted form of something else that he's already come at somebody else with. He's just presenting it in a different package, hoping that you'll buy it. So anyway, the should-be fantasy is that who we are isn't enough and it leads to the same as on The Bachelor. Heartbreak, disappointment, crying, and brokenness. Because the standard that we're comparing ourselves with the should be has been put on us or we create it and put it on us and it's coming through culture and comparison. So when we think about, I want you to think about your should-be statements right now, those things that run through your head that you should be or not blank as I should be, whatever that is for you. I want you to think about where that came from. Like, where did you even come up with that? Because God didn't speak it to you. 
Now, somebody else may legitimately have spoken to you, and I was thinking about it, you know, and honestly, it starts like that's reinforced to us when we're in school, when we're little kids. Well, they're not reading as fast as they should be at this level. They're not doing, you know, they're not performing in math as, as the other kids are, and they're not progressing as fast as they should be. So this measurement, this standard is put on us at a very early age. How, how many, okay, moms, how many of you are so freaking stressed out about when your kid walks? Well, they're not walking when they should be. Who says they're not, you know, they're not latching on as fast as they should be? Who says, you know, but there's these should be things that are put on us and they come at us through culture. Number one is brought to us through what uh, other people tell us. It's brought to us through what our cultural standard is, you know, like whatever somebody decided at some point that we should be doing certain things by a certain point, but it's culturally that way. If you, if you go to different cultures in different places, it varies from culture to culture. So who's coming up with the standard? Um, it's put on us through social media. A lot of things are, a lot of expectations, a lot of should be's are put on us through social media, through advertising, for, through messages that people pay millions and millions of dollars to do studies and to formulate, to know how to communicate that so that it will trigger in your mind so that your skin isn't good enough so that you should run out and buy this product because you don't look as young as you should be. According to who? The person that's making off making money off of you not being as young as you should be, right? <laughs> so um, comes at us culturally, but then it comes at us through comparison. When we begin to look at somebody else, where somebody else is, what somebody else is doing, um, how somebody else is progressing, and we begin to think that there's something wrong with us because we're not on the same train that they're on. But the truth be known, I mean, if you just look around this room, Look around the room. We're all in different seasons of life, right? We're all coming from different places. We're all coming from different experiences. So it would really, I mean, when you look at it that way, it really is silly to think that I could compare myself to anybody and think, well, I should be further along in this because I'm in a different season than anybody else is in. We were talking at our book study, you know, about being able, I was talking about God speaking to me about uh, learning to linger. And then I realized that there's, young moms sitting or moms of young children sitting at my table. And I realized, you know what? They don't have, they, they are lucky if they shower every two days, right? And your hair is going on not being washed for a week because you have a baby. And when are you going to do that? So I realized quickly that I needed to follow that up with, I'm in a different season. My children are grown and I don't have to tend to them the way that you do young children. So my season is different. And so, you know, when we are comparing ourselves with somebody else who is in a different season of life, we're putting a really heavy should be on us that is unattainable. And we don't know when we're going to get there because our season is different than their season. And we don't even know when we're going to hit that mark. And we don't know what they've been through to be at the place that they're at. And we're comparing ourselves to somebody else that we haven't walked in their shoes. So how can we ever measure ourselves by where they're walking and where they're at in their season of life? So those should be standards that we put on ourselves. Um, what I wanted to share is that the accusation of the enemy is a tool to hinder three things. 
And the first one is the accusation of the enemy with the should be conversation is that he comes at you to hinder your progress, your movement forward. We're all in different seasons, but the thing of it is, is we're all traveling every season, whatever season of life that you're in, that season will come to an end and a new one will start. It's the same way that we see in nature. Like here in Colorado, we're wishing that winter would come to an end, but it seems to linger. So some seasons do linger a little longer than others, but every season comes to an end and a new season will begin. And it's the same way in our progress with God. Every season that we walk through, that season is going to come to an end. So for some of you, that's good news for you tonight. If there's, you know, a particular struggle that you're dealing with, or if there's a challenge that you're going through, this challenge and this struggle will come to an end and a new season will start. And when you're going through those seasons and times, those should be accusations that come at you, what it does, those should-be accusations, cause our progress forward to be stunted and to sometimes stop altogether. Because when we have those should-be thoughts, what it actually causes us to do is we're listening to a voice that isn't God's. And so it's not leading us in a direction that's causing us to draw closer to God. It actually is putting distance between us and God because we're not hearing his voice properly. So any should-be accusation that's coming at you is coming at you to hinder your progress forward with God. The second one is that it's coming at you to hinder your purpose with God. A should-be accusation is coming at you because the enemy knows that you were designed for a purpose. But here's the cool thing. Some of you may have heard me talk about this before, but God did not dream a dream and have a purpose and a plan and create someone with that. Let me see how I need to say this. I'm trying to think how I need to say this. God did not create you and put his purpose and plan on the inside of you. God has a dream and a plan because the scripture tells us that he knows the end from the beginning. So God has a dream and a plan And he has everything that is needed to execute and to fully carry out that dream and that plan. He has that, and then he creates a human being to wrap around that dream and plan. So you were not created lacking anything to do what it is that you were put here to do. You have everything that you need because God first created that, had that in his heart, then he wrapped you around it. So everything that God put you here to do, you have on the inside of you. It may be that you're going to get the tools that you need in the next season. There's more tools for you as you're moving ahead. But the scripture tells us that we have been given every spiritual gift that we need. So there are things that you have on the inside of you right now that you may need to learn how to use it, but that's coming in the next season. So you just keep moving forward and you keep progressing with God and not listening to the should-bes. And as you're progressing with God, then you keep progressing in your purpose God has a destiny in his heart, and it has all of the strengths and the gifts and the talents needed to fulfill it, and then he wraps you around it, and the should-bes undermine the heart and the wisdom of God. God did not lack any wisdom when he wrapped you around his dream. Do we believe that God is all-knowing and that he is perfect in everything that he does? So when God wrapped you around his dream, he did not leave anything out. His dream was complete, 
And he put the completion in you when he created you to fulfill what he created you to do. So any should be accusation that's coming at you is actually creating an accusation and undermining the plan and dream of God. We would never intentionally do that, would we? So that's why the enemy comes so deceptively. So the accusation of the should be comes to hinder our progress. It comes to hinder our purpose. And then last, it comes to hinder our passion. When we get hung up in those should be conversations, do you guys know what I'm talking about? How many of, how many of you say, yes, I have the should be conversations in my head? Okay. So when we allow these should be conversations to roll for any longer than a split second, what happens is it begins to take away, I guess the best way I could say it is it's like putting a damp blanket on the fire that's on the inside of you. And it, it is there for the purpose of quenching the fire and the passion and the zeal that God put on the inside of you. We all want to live life with passion, don't we? I mean, you want to be that person that when you walk in the room that people are drawn to this part of you that they don't even know why they're drawn to you, but it's that passion and that's fire on the inside of you. And all of us want to be that. Nobody wants to be the wet blanket. The should-bes cause us to allow that blanket to be the dominant part of us rather than the fire of God on the inside of us. The very thing that attracts people to us, the very thing that draws people closer to God is the very thing that the enemy wants to extinguish on the inside of you. And that should be conversation is what does that. So I just want to ask you if you would think about just for a moment, don't think about anybody else is sitting around you. I want you to think about the should be's that have come at you in your life. And if you have a journal or you're writing notes or you want to write things in your phone, I, I want you to really think about it. Think about, is it, is it that you haven't achieved something at this point in your life that you're not where you should be? You're not where you should be at this point in your career. You're not making as much as you should be. You're not um, the mom that you should be. What are, what are some, go ahead and share some that come at you because I promise you, you're not the only one in the room that's thought that. And what you're going to do is you're going to give freedom to somebody else if you're not afraid to speak that out. Does anybody have one that they're not afraid to speak out? Yes. Mm. You should be moving on from the past, from the hurt and the loss in your life, you should be moving on by now. Who's to determine the speed of grief and the process of that, right? Yeah, there's things that people have been said to us. There's a hand back here too. Yeah, Sharon. I should be reading my Bible more. Yeah. And what is the measure of that? Like, when do we know when we are reading it as much as we should be, right? <laughs> what, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> Have it memorized from front to back. Okay, here's what I can say is I had somebody legitimately tell me it was a man very very successful very influential and said i read my bible from front to back and i've done that three times and i said straight up i told him well you need to go back and read it again because you're not getting what it's saying it's not a contest <laughs> you need to soak it in <laughs> like slow it down <laughs> it kind of took him back a little bit but he said okay so i said don't rush through it. Just soak it in, dude. <laughs> I don't care how much money you got. You still, you're not getting it. <laughs> what else? What are the should be's? Yes. Well, this, this is just something that 
That's a rough weight loss program. <laughs> Yeah, that can be a side effect for some people. So more accusation, you're not taking care of yourself like you should be. Yeah. <laughs> right? Anybody else have a should be? Yes. That, that right there. She said, I'm 32 years old and I should be married with a family. Girl, I'm going to tell you right now, and can we all agree, do not settle and do not lower your standard and what God has for you because of a should-be fantasy that the culture wants to put on you. Because a lot of people that say that are saying that to you because they're miserable where they're at and they want misery loves company. And they're like, girl, you should be married and miserable with me. That's the people that are saying that. That's where that's coming from. So don't receive that. God's got somebody for you. If your desire is to be married, he's got a perfect mate for you and he's preparing him he's preparing you and when it's time it will happen you just keep following god and you keep loving on him and doing what god puts in your heart and you're gonna find him i break that off of you right now in jesus name <laughs> yes yes so it's that fantasy suite that we've created but what happens in the fantasy suite is that you end up compromising the very gift and the purpose that's on the inside of you. And that's exactly what the enemy wants done with the should-be's. So, as I was thinking about this, there was a song that came on. So, Lindsay, if you can get us ready. And uh, I've been listening to this album. And so, for people that are listening online, we're going to have to cut off for copyright purposes. But um, the song is on the Helser's new album, and it's called I Am Your Beloved. And I want to read just the very first part of it to you because I was thinking and putting this together, and this song was playing. I really wasn't paying attention, and then all of a sudden I listened to the lyrics, and I thought, this is what I want to share with my girls tonight. And here's how the song starts out. It says, I've heard the accusation, and I've heard the propaganda. I've heard the lies they whispered to my soul. 
that I have been forsaken and always be forgotten, no matter what I do, it's not enough. That's the should-be fantasy. But then here's what they go on in the song. Then I heard a voice as it opened up in the heavens, reminding me of whom I've always been. I am your beloved. You have bought me with your blood, and on your hand you've written out my name. I am your beloved, the one my father loves. Mercy has defeated all my shame. So, Lindsay, are you ready? So I want to invite you, if you would, to sit back. The words, I really wanted you to be able to soak in these words. The words are on the video, and this was recorded live when they recorded it for their album, and I just love the Helsers. So um, I want you to let the words soak into your heart. If you need to move somewhere and you just like to be by yourself to let this soak in, then I invite you to do that. If you're good where you're sitting, then stay where you're at. But this is your time. The song does go for 10 minutes. But let it, here's the thing. This is my gift to you. When was the last time you had 10 minutes to sit and nobody was pulling on you? You didn't have to be anywhere. No thoughts of, I should get up and clean the house. I should be doing this. I should be putting the dishes away. I should be doing laundry. I should be cooking dinner. I should be taking care of this. I should be answering that phone call. This is my gift to you right now. 10 minutes of no should be's. You got that. This is for you. Okay? So take this gift and just soak it in and just let it be between you and God. I hear for you. Just stay right where you're at. Is that the should be's are challenging who you are in the heart of I am. Every thought of the should be that was coming at you right now in the name of Jesus, if you would, if those are things that come at you, I'm going to ask you if you would just put one hand on your head right now because that's where the thoughts are and one hand on your heart because that's where the I am. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I declare that the accusation of should be is broken off of us in Jesus' name. That right now, in the name of Jesus, we are free from the weight and the impossible standard of should be. And in its place where that is removed now, in the name of Jesus, we take hold of the freedom that is given to us through the one who knows us best and loves us the most. And in the name of Jesus, I declare that you are now filled with abundant freedom to walk in who you are in the heart of I am. That there is no more accusation against you, pulling you away from your progress in God, pulling you from your purpose, and hindering your passion with him. That you are a woman full of I am. And you are 
who you were intended to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If that is, if that is resonating in you right now, I just need you to take a deep breath. Just like God breathed a breath of life into Adam's lungs, right now just breathe in the character and the nature and the love and the freedom of God. Take another deep breath in. Hold it for just a second and now blow all of the care and the heaviness and the weight out. There is no more should be. The should be fantasy is broken off of you in your life. Broken off of your future. And now all you have to do is live in what you were created to be. In the dream and heart, God's heart. That is it. That is the only expectation you carry, and it is the one created by the Father, and you can't fail it. You can't fail it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just take another deep breath in. And remind yourself of that tomorrow morning when you wake up. Because <laughs> it's going to try to come back, especially if that's something that is... Um, a common thing in your life will try to come back because the enemy tries to come back immediately to steal the seed that's been sown. So remind yourself of that. If you have to go home tonight and write it on your mirror, I do. I write all kinds of stuff on my mirror at home. If you have to write it on your mirror, put a post-it note. I freaking love post-it notes. (laughs) Put it on a post-it note and put it somewhere where you can see it. I am in the heart of your father. You are who you are in the heart of I am. All right. Miss Shelby, is there anything else? All right. Well, yes, Miss Sharon. Easy, wasn't it? 
Right. <laughs> so you're in, in a room with some great wisdom. And so here's what I want to say is if you just need a hug from a mom before you leave here, there's lots of moms here that will hug you. Moms who have grown children and moms who have young babies. And if you don't have any babies, maybe you're here and you need a hug from somebody who doesn't have children and has freedom. And maybe there's somebody here who is not in that season of life that you just need to hug them and they need a hug from you. So everybody here has something that somebody else needs and everybody here has something that uh, something to give. So I want to encourage you before you leave to truly connect with somebody here and to give somebody a hug because I know that there's people here who need that tonight. And I want to say to you, you made it here tonight. So whatever else is going on in your life right now and whatever is the chaos, like when I'm looking at you right now, what I'm seeing is like when you look into a um, front load dryer and how the, everything is like doing like this, and like that's kind of what I'm seeing for you right now. And um, this is funny, and I don't know, I'm, this is funny. God is saying none of your socks are going to come out mismatched. <laughs> Literally, okay. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> There's nothing, the, all of this that's going on right now, there's nothing that is going to be lost for you. This is just a cycle. There's something happening right now that's cyclical. And once that cycle is over, there's not going to be anything that's lost or mismatched for you when you come through this. And you're going to. I hear that very clearly. So you made it here tonight. And whatever it took for you to say, it's important for me to do that, that actually was God saying, it's important. I want to spend some time with you. So whatever that voice was, whatever that prompting was, keep listening to that. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Keep listening to Alex. <laughs> anyway, you guys have a beautiful rest of your evening. Be sure and hug somebody and it's okay. We're all going to make it. Yeah. Love you guys. And next month, back here, the third Thursday of the month, doors open at 630 for fellowship and just to have fun or come in here and just sit where nobody is pulling on you. So you're welcome to be here at 630, and then the meeting will begin at 7, as we did tonight. So I look forward to seeing you next month, and we'll see you back here on Sunday for church. Thank you, Shelby, and thank you, Lindsay. Thank you guys for being here tonight.